Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. Do you ever go, what have we been talking about anyway? I don't know if you do that, but as a preacher, I do that. What have we been talking about anyway? Well, you know, we've been talking about the presence. I do these banners as much for you as for me, so I can always look up and go, oh, we're talking about presence today. And uh, I was sharing this with one of the Belarusians, and I asked, so what does presence mean? I was teaching an English class, and he raised his hand. He goes, it means gifts at Christmas. And I said, well, that's kind of it, but it's a little bit different. (laughs) And everybody's looking like, well, I thought presents were gifts. And so uh, uh, we're not talking about gifts, or maybe we are, the gift of the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Christ in your body. Well, I want to go back and give you kind of a broad brush where we've been. The very first sermon I preached, the title was Introducing the Vital Power of Presence. We defined the Greek word for presence and the Hebrew word for presence. How many remember what that word actually means? It means... Face, good, thank you, it means face. It literally means, the word presence means to turn the face, and in the Greek, to look at eyeball to eyeball, like I'm looking at Mrs. Kirkpatrick right now. All right, eyeball to eyeball. And you know what's been really interesting? Is that I have been finding in the scriptures over and over and over again, where it talks about being face to face. Talks about being face to face. God is so amazing that he created our eyes to communicate even more than our mouth because our mouth can deceive, right? I could say to somebody, I really like you a lot. Well, guess what? Did you see my eyeballs? My eyeballs told the truth. My words were a lie. So we need to understand that God wants us to be face-to-face with him because then he exposes the lie or the deceit or the impurities in our life, and that's a good thing. By the way, when we're face-to-face with someone and your cell phone goes off, what is the common tendency today? To answer the cell phone. Oh, excuse me. Well, that's if they're polite. Here's the go. And they, the cell phone usually takes precedence. Ouch. Okay? Face-to-face. We talked about defining the vital importance of face-to-face. And then we talked about the total personal presence. Number one is physically present. The other is cognitively or mentally present. You ever been present with someone, but you're not listening to them? You're not thinking about what they're, you know, you're just kind of like, mm, you know. That's terrible. Someone's talking to you and they ask you a question. What'd you say? That's terrible. You're physically present, but you're not cognitively present. You're not engaged. And then the other is emotionally present. You know when that little girl came in and her father had hung himself? And he gave her the note in her little lunch bag. Messed up, don't you think? I was emotionally present from the moment I 
heard that, and the moment I saw her. I was going to do something to help her out. I didn't know what I was going to do, but God had prepared already for us to help financially, but also, too, for us to be there. And little Maxime, her little brother, I was, you know, emotionally present, shaking his hand. How you doing, man? And spiritually present as well. That's the very important presence, spiritually present, doing what's right. That's what we talked about the first lesson. The second lesson, the three facets of the power of presence. His indwelling presence, you, your committing to be present with Him, in Him, through His Word and prayer. And then, the other one is, is being present with people. You want to change the world? You want to change your world? Be present in people's lives. You want to change your marriage and make it better? Be present in your spouse's life. You want your kids to really think you're a rock star? Be present in their lives. How important that is. Well, then the second uh, thing that I talked about that day was our presence in his life and then our presence in others' lives. And then I preached a sermon for each of those. And now I'm back. And now I'm back. So what am I going to preach on today? We'll take a look at the, the lesson title. The power of His, all capitals, the power of His presence. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Let's turn there. Acts 3 and verse 19. Many of you have Acts chapter 2 verse 38 memorized. That's excellent. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have that memorized. Many of us do. You know, Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 is saying the exact same thing as Acts 2.38. Because Peter is preaching the second gospel sermon, and he responds in the exact same way. It's the exact same thing. Take a look. Verse 19. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Therefore repent and return. That return, by the way, is actually speaking of, of baptism. Immersion. Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Brethren, that passage of Scripture there is talking about salvation. It's talking about receiving the indwelling presence of God in your life. And that's what we're talking about today. But I want you to look at one more. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And many of you know this one as well. And Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 has a lot of information in that one little verse. And I'm only going to read that one little verse. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the, the, by the faith of the Son of God, uh, who loved me and delivered himself or gave himself up for me. That passage of Scripture was not translated correctly in the New American Standard. In the King James it is, by the way. If you have the King James, it talks about by the faith of Christ. Not 
in Christ, but Christ's faith. And so we're going to talk about that today. And uh, notice the title of the lesson. The title of the lesson, his, The Power of His Presence, point number one, very straightforward, His indwelling presence begins when you're immersed into Christ. He enters into your body, He dwells within you, and you become a child of God when you're immersed into Christ, but only if you do it the right way. There are people in a million different churches, they're all baptizing, but they're all baptizing for all sorts of different reasons. The reason you're immersed is as important as being immersed. Because you must be immersed in true biblical faith, which comes from God's Word. And we're going to talk about that. Point number two, I've been crucified with Christ. If you're a Christian today, guess what? You've been crucified with Christ too. And it wasn't painful like it was for Him. But the sacrifices you would make for him could be painful. And then point number three, take a look at point number three there. I live by the faith of the Son of God. This is foundational. If you don't get this, you're going to build on faulty information. If you don't build on the foundation, how many of you have a house that doesn't have a foundation? You do not have a foundation on your house? You don't? Well, partial. Okay. Partial. You have problems with uh, uh, termites? <laughs> there you go. They just hold the house together <laughs> until they decide to go somewhere else, right? Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, <laughs> I helped my brother build a house. The very first thing he did... Smart guy, he builds a foundation. And if you don't have a house with a foundation, Jesus says, the house is going to get wiped out. Our lives need to be built on the foundational truths of the word, and his indwelling presence has foundational truths. So let's take a look. We're going to take a look here at uh, verse 19 of Acts chapter 3 once again. So go back there. So point number one is based on Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Notice what it says there, right at the very beginning of verse 19. Therefore, repent. And notice in your, in your notes, it says, repent, dot, dot, dot. Repent. What the world repent mean? What's it mean? It means to change your mind about the way you've been living. How many of you know that there were two sons? There were two sons. And the father said, I want you to go and, and, and this is Jesus giving a parable, and it's not the parable of the prodigal. It's another parable of two sons. One says, I'll go, I'll go do what you want me to do, and then he doesn't. And the other kid says, I'm going to do what you want me to do, but then he changes his mind and he does it. Jesus said, which ones of those, which one of those was obedient? Which one of those sons was faithful? Well, which one was it? It's the one that, even though he was stubborn at the beginning, changed his mind and said, okay, I'll go do, Dad, what you want me to do. The other guy is a snake. Oh, yeah, I'll do it, Dad. I'll do a great job. You know how good a job I do. And then he doesn't do it. You know people that talk a lot and don't do much? How many know people that talk a lot and don't do much? Anybody? Come on. We all know people like that. Those folks make problems for the church. 
They're hypocrites. They'll talk a good line, but they won't live it. I'll tell you what, I was stubborn before I became a Christian. Kirk, were you stubborn before you became a Christian? You pretty stubborn? I know, you told me so. He's actually preached that here. See? We're pretty stubborn. But then we go, okay, I'm changing my mind. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'm not going to do my own thing. I'm going to do yours. That's what repentance is. Changing your mind and choosing to do what the Lord wants. Oh, by the way, with a good attitude. If you want to know more about that, look at those verses. And then look at the word, and return. And return. Meaning you must have been at a certain place, and you went away from that place, and now you're going to return. You know, when you're a little kid, you're pure and holy and blameless. How many know Jesus said, children have an angel? You know, you see those pictures of those, those little boy playing with his boat by the creek, and there's an angel ready to grab him. How many have seen that picture? I love that picture. It's a cool picture, right? I probably had about six of them. Okay, he's going again. Ryan had a couple, right, Ryan? More than a couple. Okay. <laughs> Ryan's smiling. But you know what? We walk away from God. We choose not to be under his protection. I'm going to do my own thing because I'm smarter than God. I don't even believe there is a God. That's just smarter than anybody else. Well, I turned that smart right about 17. I didn't get it figured out until I was 24. Man, there's an awful lot of nasty stuff between 17 and 24. I finally came to my senses. And I was that son that said, I'm not going to do it. And then I turned around and I do it. Remember, I turned around. I returned to the one who had me covered. But now I have to have my sins washed away. When I was a little kid, I didn't have any sins. And I knew my sins washed away. How's that happen? According to Acts 2.38, happens in immersion. The word return here is actually another word for baptism or, or immersion in water in the name of Jesus Christ. Go back and take a look and compare Acts 2.38 and Acts 3.19, and they lay right over on top of each other. They're talking about the same thing. So the word return there is actually talking about immersion. If you're not immersed into Christ, well then, what does the rest of the scripture say? Take a look at it. It says, so that, verse 19, so that, repent and return, so that. How many know what the word so that means? So that this will happen. What is it that's going to happen if I repent and return to the Lord? What are the two things there? Take a look. The first one is, your sins are going to be wiped away. I'll tell you what, between 17 and, and 24, man, I was a wild child, and I was just stacking them up like cordwood. Over, man, I was overwhelmed with the garbage in my life. I hated myself to the point of thinking about suicide. It's a terrible place to be, and there's others been in that place as well. And so I'm so thankful that I finally said, you know what, I need to have my sins forgiven. And so... On August 12, 1982, I heard this voice from heaven. That's actually reading my Bible. Acts 22, 16. What are you waiting for? Get up. Get baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. I was in the Three Sisters Wilderness. I was reading my Bible on my lunch hour. And I read it, and it's like God spoke out of the heavens, and it boomed across the mountains. And I went, 
Oh, I'm not in a good place. I told my atheist partner, Mike, I'm not a Christian. He says, you're a nut job. You're one of the nicest guys I know. I said, I'm not a Christian. What do you need to do? I said, we got to get downtown. I got to get baptized. He goes, you're a Christian. I said, Mike, we're going. And we had plenty of hours logged that week, so we could jump up and head down. And I, he was, it's his turn to drive the truck. You've heard this story before. I was terrorized. He was a nut job driver. Mike, let me drive. No, it's my turn. Mike, please let me drive. No, it's my turn. Man, I buckled my seatbelt on there, and I was like the white knuckle job all the way back into Bend. Because I knew what would happen if I didn't make it. See? What? Because it wash away your sins when you're baptized. That's what Acts 2.38 says, and that's what Acts 22.16 says, and a whole bunch of other ones. Now look at number two there. So that your sins will be wiped away, and, I love this one, and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's when the Lord enters into your body. That's when freedom comes. Freedom. Some of you know I did some pretty awful stuff. And the guilt of that stuff, I kept pushing it down and ignoring it. Pushing it down and ignoring it. But you know what? It was always there. When I was immersed, knowing what God did and washed away my sins... Woo! It was lifted off, and then I was filled with the Spirit. And man, I was excited. I was ready to go. Tried to teach my girlfriend the very next day how to become a Christian. That didn't work out so well for her. Worked out pretty good for me, but not for her. So, we need to recognize and understand, that's talking about when a person begins this new life. When the Spirit of God enters into their body, and He's always present in their life. There's power now. Who created the universe? Who created the universe? Wow, it's a rough crowd. <laughs> half of them are sick, and the other half are, oh, and then God created the universe. And where does he live now? Well, yes, in heaven, but he said he lives inside of you, Christian. What power is available to you? Well, I can't create nothing. Well, that might be true in your case, but God can powerfully work through you to help other folks and help yourself. Look at point number two. I have been crucified with Christ. You have to be crucified with Christ, and you have to know that that actually happened. By the way, anybody ever seen, and, I, and don't raise your hand on this one because I know many of us have. You ever seen a dead person? You ever seen a dead person? First dead person I saw. First dead person I saw was in a as a cadaver in a, a science uh, hall up at Central Oregon Community College. They had all these cadavers out on the tables. Ugh. And 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 the guy goes, lift up that guy's hand. I go, I'm not touching that guy's hand. Come on, lift it up. I lift it up. He goes, let it go. He goes, yep, that's gravity. That's what happens to cadavers. You know what? When you're alive, you can go against gravity. I said, no, you can't. He goes, yes, you can. Notice that guy on that table, I think it was a guy, that guy had no feeling. He was not offended that I lifted up his hand. You know, when someone's dead, they're non-responsive. We need to recognize that when we die with Christ, we're non-responsive to sin. When you die with Christ, you have now the power to be non-responsive because you're dead. Let's take a look at this really quickly. I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians chapter 
2 and verse 20. Paul actually says that. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. What does the word have been, the words have been mean? What does that mean? It's past tense. It's already happened. Paul said, I have been crucified. It's already done. By the way, there are two guys that died with Jesus, right, on the cross. They both died. They were dead. Not just half dead, like that guy in, uh, uh, what's that movie? Princess Bride. Not half dead. All dead. They were all dead. Guess what? They were crucified. Completely dead. Do you believe that the old man, the old sinful man, the old sinful woman is completely dead? Is there evidence of that dead person still living inside of you? Because you were crucified, you are all dead. I have been crucified. Romans 6 says that in baptism, we were united with him in his death. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. Did you catch that? The death Jesus died, he died to sin. And you died with Jesus. The death he died, he died to sin. When you're immersed in the Christ, the death you die, you die to sin. You now have the power to overcome because that old man is put away and is dead. Can you imagine me going into the morgue and seeing someone and telling them a joke? You think they're going to laugh? If I tickle their foot? <laughs> you think they're going to giggle? No, they're not going to be responsive. As Christians, when the devil comes knocking, you have the power to go, eh, whatever, out of here. You can do that now. We need to recognize that. Notice verse or the next part of this verse. Go back to verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And look at this next phrase. And it is, and it is I, and it is no longer I who live. I no longer live? What does that mean? I am fully alive right now, and so are you. If you're a Christian, Who's no longer alive? The old, sinful, selfish, self-serving person. Why? Because you killed that person in the waters of immersion when you were united with Jesus in his death on the cross. You need to believe that. If you don't believe that, the old man is still alive and well, or the old woman is still alive and well. I know ladies don't like to be called old women, especially the younger ones. But it's a, it's a phrase in the Bible, okay? It's talking about the old sinful self. I'm not being offensive here, okay? So, so we are no longer in sin. In fact, you need to read Romans chapter 6. Let's turn there right now. Romans 6, we're going to come back to Galatians. Romans 6, verse 6 through 7. Romans 6, verse 6 through 7. 6 and 7. Can you believe what you're about to read? I hope so. Verse 6. Christian, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Why? In order that our body of sin might be done away with, 
so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Hey, brother, sister in Christ, you're freed from sin. It's no longer master over you. You don't have to sin anymore. You have the power to say no every single time. The devil comes knocking. Do you believe it? If you don't believe it, guess what happens when the devil comes knocking next time? If you don't believe you're dead to sin and the devil comes knocking with your favorite pet sin, your favorite pet temptation, what are you going to do? Okay. Brian Bragg was talking about chocolate, chocolate chip muffins. And he was addicted to them. Tiffany, can you believe someone was addicted to chocolate, chocolate chip muffins? That's a sin, isn't it? <laughs> and, and he was tempted because he had created this addiction. But now that he's a new man in Christ, he said, no, I will not eat that chocolate, chocolate chip muffin. Power. Well, that's just an example. It could be anything. It could be lying. It could be sexual immorality. It could be uh, uh, anger. It could be frustration. It could be anything. That guy, that gal is dead. Now, the next phrase here is amazing in Galatians 2.20. It says that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. You know, if you take a look at the book of Colossians, it's absolutely amazing. It talks about you died and your life is now hidden with God in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you're going to be revealed with him in glory. Who's your life? My life is no longer Bill. My life is Christ. You know what's really cool about my wife? I told you I liked her a lot this morning. It's one of my praises. I got a good wife. You know why I like her so much? It's because she is 110% committed to us changing the world. She is. We're one. We're one body. We're working together to change the world. Man, if I didn't have my sweet wife, I would be a disaster. God knew what he was doing when he created Sharon. And he created her for me. I praise God for him. Christ lives in me now, and Christ lives in Sharon, and together we are living the life that God has called us to because we're following his word and doing what he's called us to. And that can be for you as well. Finally, the last point, I live by the faith of Christ. Christ's faith produces the, the life that a child of God should live. Notice the life which I now live. What does the word now mean? I am hungry now. What does that mean? Present tense. I am hungry now. It says here, the life which I now live. You're living a life now as a Christian that's different than the life that you lived before you were a Christian. And if you act like, talk like, think like that old person, question whether you did it right. This is foundational. So, the life which I now live, this life right now as a Christian, this life right now I live in this body. Look at it, it says here. The life that I now live in this flesh. That's actually talking about your body. 
What does your life look like as a Christian in your physical body? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. And again, we're going to come back to Galatians. But turn to 2 Corinthians and chapter 4. Take a look at verse 10. The word body is actually used here, meaning the physical vessel, this thing that people see. It says in verse 10, always carrying about in the body, this physical body, the dying of Jesus, a sacrifice uh, of self. Remember, he died to sin, you died to sin. And so in your body, there is no sin. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in your what? In your body. Guess what? When people see you and your body, who should they see? Who will they see if you're a Christian and you're living by faith? They're going to see Jesus Christ in you. Do they? Notice what it says in this next phrase. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by Christ's faith. If you live by Christ's faith, will you speak Christ's words? If you live by Christ's faith, will you do Christ's deeds? If you live Christ's faith, will you think Christ's thoughts? If you live Christ's life, will you have Christ's convictions? What's most important to Jesus would be most important to you. Remember what Jesus said? I know you do. He set his face like flint, like flint to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because he, has a, he had a date with a cross. He set his face like flint. I'm going to make that sacrifice. Oftentimes people run away from sacrificing for other people. Oh man, they got a mess. I don't want to be anything around them. Really? Invest in people. Meet them where they're at. Help them to understand the love of Jesus Christ by sacrificing for them. That's what this is talking about. You have the same convictions. You have the same priorities. You have the same mission. You have the same purpose as Jesus Christ. Your words are always going to be encouraging and building. You're always going to be speaking with people eyeball to eyeball and encouraging them the way they need to be encouraged. If, if you are a Christian filled with the Spirit of Christ walking by His faith. The world desperately needs to see Christians present in their life. How does that work? Look at the last phrase there. The last phrase. Going back to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. That last phrase is so important. Verse 20, again, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, literally this body, I live by faith, the faith of Jesus Christ. And look at the last phrase. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. You want to know what motivates me to get out of bed in the morning at four? And when I got out of bed this morning at four, <laughs> it was three. You know what I'm saying? Because I set my, I lost an hour, and so it was less sleep. But I got out of bed at four. Got up and I got moving because I made some promises to some people, and I was going to make sure I got those promises done before I showed up here. 
I want to put some polishing touches on there. I got up so I could read about who Jesus is. I wanted to hear his voice as I read his word. I wanted to pray, oh Lord, help me to be your son today to somebody. Help me to be the preacher that you call me to be. Help me to actually sacrifice like your son Jesus sacrificed. So I got up early so I could get ready. Have I said a crossword to anybody yet today? Did I say anything bad to you? I even waved at you and smiled. Andrew comes to be, hey, Andrew, how you doing? It's great. See? So I say, what are you doing here? <laughs> you ever been to a church body when they growl at you? Kind of scary. And instead of being Jesus, hey, man, it's great to see you. That's who we are to be for people. What Brian saw, what Mrs. Kaikula saw, <laughs> what John saw when I offered to rake his leaves, they saw Jesus. Are you dead? And is Jesus alive in your body? What's the answer if you're a Christian? What's the answer? Yes. And so show people Jesus because they don't want to see Bill. They want to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus. And they can see him in you. And they can see him in me. But the only way that that's going to happen is you need to be crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and raised up with Christ, as Romans 6 says, in the act of immersion. Then you can powerfully go forth. Because what Romans says is this. Do you not know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him into baptism or into death. So that as he was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might be raised up to walk in newness of life. I love that passage. I was raised up to walk in newness of life. And some people have seen that new life. Praise God, it's his fault, not mine. Bill always gets in the way. But when you are a Christian, when you're a Christ one and Christ lives in you, the people around you will see Jesus Christ and be drawn not to you. They'll be drawn to Jesus Christ. It's essential that we get this foundational piece in place. If you're a Christian, you are dead to sins. If you are a Christian, you are alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you are a Christian, all the old things have passed away, new things have come. New purpose, new meaning, new uh, mission. It's all new. Now we're going to spend more time on this. You have to get this piece down first. If you don't put this piece into your life, if you don't surrender yourself to being crucified, being buried, and being raised up, then it's all just hard work. I'm motivated by God's love for me to love other people. That's what motivates me. I don't fear anymore. I don't fear death. When I make a mistake, you know what I do? I ask God to forgive me. I don't run and go, oh, I made a mistake. God's going to damn me to hell. I don't do that. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. You know when I make a mistake? Hey, Lord, would you forgive me? I blew it again. 
I know he loves me and he'll forgive me. And now I can get out there with a clear conscience and continue to love people and make sacrifices for them. That's what this is about. And I'm going to review this, and you're going, oh, oh, oh. I'm going to review it again a couple times, but from different scriptures, teaches the same exact thing. Let's get started. Let's get started. So God's presence is in your body. So he can powerfully change your life and powerfully change the lives of those around you. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God in heaven, we do need to get all excited and tell everybody by our lives that Jesus Christ is Lord and he set us free. I'm so thankful, Father, to be back home here. But I'm also excited, Father, in the great impact that we have had in the country of Belarus. And it's because we have committed to be like Jesus, laying our lives down in sacrifice for others. How I praise God for the brethren here. How I praise God for the people who love the truth and are willing to embrace the word of God and believe what it says. Father, I pray that we'll get this foundational piece understood from Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.